Joshua chapter 7. Today we're talking about Achan's disaster. The text is verse 24 and 25. It says, Joshua and all Israel took Achan, the son of Zerah, his silver, or the silver, it wasn't his silver, but the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, everything he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor, or in some translations, that's Achan. They mean the same thing. They both mean trouble or disaster. They brought them to the valley of Acre. And then Joshua said, why did you bring this disaster on us? The Lord will bring disaster on you today. And all Israel stoned Achan and his family to death. And they burned the bodies. And they piled stones over them. That's pretty drastic, isn't it? I mean, what happened here? What happened here that was so bad that it necessitated wiping out a whole family? And if you don't really dig into this, you will begin to think that maybe there's some things about this that aren't fair. You look at it from the outset and you think to yourself, wow, I mean, this looks like one guy messed up and a whole sin, a whole family died for his sin. I'm going to show you today what's going on in this passage. But what did this guy do to cause such trouble and disaster? It's quite a story. And I think it's a good story to start with at the beginning of a new year because I think this is a good time to reevaluate our spiritual status. I think it's a good time to take inventory of our current spiritual status. And this is a really good way to do this because uh, this story provides some essential guidelines to use as you take inventory of your current spiritual health. So I'm going to tell you the story and then I'm going to let you draw some conclusions from that for yourself. Whatever does this mean to you? So here's what's going on. The context of, of, of those verses I just read is this. The children of Israel at this point in the story have just defeated Jericho. You remember the story where they walked around the walls and on the seventh day they walked seven times, you remember? And the walls fell down and they went in and they they destroyed and they took over the city, right? Well, that has just happened. The walls have come down, the city's been destroyed and God had claimed everything in that city for himself. He had told them before they go, and you'll see in a minute, he'd say, everything in Jericho belongs to me And since it's mine, here's what I want done with it. I want it destroyed. I want you to knock the place down, destroy everything. It's mine, and this is what I want done with it. I want you to destroy it. And so everything except Rahab and her family are to be destroyed. The reason why that God is sparing Rahab and her family is because she had provided a place for the spies from Israel when they went into Jericho to spy out on how they were going to be able to infiltrate or to be able to take over that city. She had been kind to them, and she had actually saved their life. And so uh, they had made a promise to her. They said, you know, when we come back, if you'll put the the scarlet thread down the the window, uh, we'll know exactly where you and your, get all your family together with you in that one place, then we'll rescue you out, and when we're destroying everything else, you'll be saved. And so this is what had happened. Everybody but Rahab and her family had been saved, and everything's going as planned. In Joshua, if you go back to chapter 6 and verse 16, here's what it says. 
when they went around the city the seventh time, the priest blew the ram's horns, and Joshua said to the troops, shout, because the Lord has given you the city. Now, that's usually where we stop. We're like, oh, yeah, I know that part. They shout, they blow the horns, and the walls fall. But, but there's more that happens right here in verse 17. He says, shout, because the Lord has given you the city, and he goes on. The city has been claimed by the Lord. And everything in it belongs to the Lord. Only the prostitute Rahab and all who are in the house with her will live because she hid the messengers we sent. But stay away from what has been claimed by the Lord for destruction or you too will be destroyed by the Lord. If you take anything that is claimed by the Lord, you will bring destruction and disaster on the camp of Israel. Wow. And everybody heard it. Everybody heard the command. Everybody knows These are the rules we're playing by today. Everybody knows. Everybody's aware of the penalty if if it's disobeyed. But there's one guy among the whole group. Now, keep in mind, folks, there's three million Israelis out here wandering in this desert and now beginning to take over uh, over countries or over places and, and, and a country. Three million people and one guy named Achan whose name means trouble. Decides to disobey in hopes that somehow he's going to be able to be that guy who is smart enough to sneak his sin past God. Lesson number one today. You can't sneak your sin past God. There's nowhere to hide it. He tries and as a result something terrible happens. A little bit of time goes by. Achan has committed this sin. And a little bit of time goes by, and, and they have, they've, the, Israel has taken over Jericho, and now the next city to take over is a city, a little, a little town called, uh, called Ai. A-I. And it's not very big, and, and so the, the, the military personnel advise Joshua and say, there's really no need in sending the whole army. This is just a little, it's a little encampment. It's a little village. It's nothing up to what we've just got done taking over. Let's just send a couple thousand guys in there. And we can easily take over this little city. And so when they begin to try to conquer I, 36 Israeli soldiers are killed. And the rest of the couple thousand of them become terrified, and they run away from the inhabitants of this little town. Three million people are disheartened now and afraid. Can you imagine? They just took over Jericho, but now because of a little bitty encampment of a few people, now three million people are over here in their camp, and they're terrified because of the outcome of this battle. 36 of their men have died And the rest have been set to flee. And now the whole camp has lost its momentum. And they're discouraged. Joshua can't believe it. He's just, in our terminology, he's bum-fuzzled. He's like, he's baffled. This doesn't make any sense. He goes, he gets down on his knees. He starts calling out to God. God, what, what is going on? Why did you let this happen? This doesn't make any sense. And God says, 
get up. There's sin in the camp. Listen to this. This isn't this isn't this is my translation of what how this translates from scripture. Here's what God is saying to him. Until you deal with it, from now on, this is what life is going to be like for you. As long as you hang on to unconfessed and unrepented sin, your life will be a series of defeats and loss and fear and deception. This is your future if you hang on to this sin. Then God gives Joshua the plan for finding the culprit among them. He says, here's how it's going to work. He said, tomorrow I want you to bring everybody out, all three million of them, bring everybody out. And he said, and then we're going to go through them. I'm going to show you. He said, I'll exclude them, and you'll see how in the following way. So they bring them out. The following day, um, they start with tribes, and they whittle it down to one tribe is guilty. Now, all the 11 other tribes are out of the way or all the rest of them are gone out of the way. Now, we're going to start with tribes. We're going to whittle it down family by family. So they do this until they finally get down to the family of Achan, one guy. Achan had disobeyed God by taking some things that God had claimed for himself. He had taken those things and hidden them in his tent. Lesson number two. You can't steal things that belong to God without serious consequences. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. Remember that as you're examining every area of your life today. Say to yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, am I trying to steal anything that belongs to God? If so, Holy Spirit, point that out to me. Show me that. And Joshua says to Achan, because it finally lands on Achan, and he says, okay, fella, come clean, just tell the truth. Because the sin had not just affected one man, but it infected the entire group. Think about this. Achan's sin had cost 36 families to have to bury a loved one. That would not have had to die. Achan's sin had caused three million people to be discouraged and disheartened and thrown off of the momentum that God had intended for them. One guy, one guy's sin had caused all this grief. You say, wow, well, the sin that I have in my life, it doesn't affect anybody but me. Because I hide it so well. Nobody knows. Nobody's affected. The sin of Achan had, listen to this terminology, had national consequences. Not just personal. And before you begin to start thinking, well, Achan was just a young guy, didn't know any better. Further study would show you that it's very likely that Achan is maybe not old, but he is an elderly man because 
his chronolo- the, chronologically, the way that he is listed, fifth from Adam or what, however it's listed, however that lists that, states that generationally he would have had to be of a certain year. So he's not a young man. He's not, he's not a kid that doesn't know better. He is a full-grown man with perhaps adult children. And when it talks about his tent and the way the people lived in that setting... It wasn't just him and his wife and little kids living there, but he's probably living under a tent with his grown children and grandchildren. There's a lot of people that are associated with this. And so when Achan brought his sin home to the house, even if the rest of the people under the tent didn't participate in it, they overlooked it. He found something that he wanted, brought it into their house, buried it under their floor. They had to walk over it, and everybody in the house knew what was there. But nobody wanted to say anything because he was the leader. Nobody wanted to hold the leader accountable. And so there were people who were not innocent because they knew, but because they either didn't want to cause trouble or because they were afraid, or maybe because they thought after this all blew over, they would too profit from, they all kept their mouth shut. It wasn't just Achan that was responsible for 36 lives. It was everybody who knew about the hole in the floor in the tent. Those of you that said, wow, it's not fair, all of a sudden the light came on, you're like, oh, I see now why that everybody was responsible because they all knew. For whatever was their motive for keeping hush on it, they all knew. Well, Pastor, I I know about the sin of that person in my life, but, you know, it's just better for me not to say anything. It's always better for us to just look the other way because it causes a big stink. We know she does this. We know he does that. I'm going to tell you something, folks. First of all, be sure your sin will find you out. And number two, if you are living in the midst of sin and taking no action whatsoever against it, at some point it's as if you become a part of it yourself. She does this, but it's just how she is. We love her. We love her. We let her keep doing it. He does that, but you know what? He gets angry if we say anything about it. He's really not a bad person in a lot of other ways. But lives were lost because this family could not or would not hold their family leader accountable. God had already given orders to Joshua what must be done to the offender. Look at, go back to Joshua 7, verse 15. Look at this. The man who is selected, along with everything he has, must be burned because he has stolen what the Lord has claimed. He's ignored the Lord's requirements and done a godless thing in Israel. Now, it seems harsh, but wait till you hear the rest of the story. Then Achan answered Joshua, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I did. I saw a fine robe from Babylonia. Now, you study that a little bit, and that was 
like a royal robe, and it was very intricate, and it was very valuable. And if you could have gotten your hands on one of those in their culture, that was a big deal. So it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just another garment, but it was, you know, it was a big deal. So I saw a fine robe from Babylonia, five pounds of silver, a bar of gold weighing about one pound among the loot, and I wanted them. I wanted them, so I took them. You'll find them buried inside my tent with the silver beneath them. Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. The loot was buried inside with the silver beneath it. They took the loot from the tent. They brought it to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. Then they laid it out in the presence of the Lord. Joshua and all Israel took Achan and all that stuff, and they brought it to the valley of disaster. And then Joshua said, why did you bring this disaster on us? Why did you do this? 36 people died. We've had 36 funerals. We got 36 families that are discouraged. We got a whole 3 million people that now are disheartened. And I got to try to figure out how to get all these people back on track. We got a whole land to possess. And they're afraid to fight a village. You did this to me. You did this to us. You knew very well you were there whenever I said. And you did it anyway. Because you thought you were smarter. You thought you were better. You thought the rules didn't apply to you. And the rest of you all standing around with him, all of your family, all of your kids, you knew what was in the tent. You just stood around, walked around over it, hoping this would all go away because you're going to help daddy spend the money someday. Well, here it is. Now you understand this text. Why'd you bring this disaster on us? The Lord will bring disaster on you. And then Israel stoned all of them, burned their bodies, piled stones over them. Hmm. Now it appears that Achan repents, doesn't it? He finally owns up to the sin. When Joshua says to him, come clean, he finally says, okay, it's true. I saw these things, I wanted them and I took them and they're hidden in my tent. I I did it. So there, the good news in all of this is, for him and his family, there is that possibility that we'll run into Achan and his family in heaven someday. No, Pastor. Yeah, really good chance we will. Why? Because they repented. Here's something you understand about repentance and, 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 and positioning with God. God will forgive your sin. There's no sin that man can commit that God won't forgive. But that may not spare your life. You may pay for it here. You may lose your life here. You may not make it out of here. But you might. I'm convinced there's a lot of people on on deathbeds. That prayed prayers. That were wicked, wicked people. Done terrible, terrible things. But at some point in their life. Before it was too late. They prayed a prayer. They may have paid for it their sins with their life they still made it to heaven that's why it's hard for us to understand so when we see somebody we say wow poor old so-and-so is really suffering and you know we pray for him we want god to heal him and you know i don't understand why they're a christian why god doesn't heal them we're like well hang on a minute that guy drank hard liquor every day for 55 years He, he smoked until he couldn't even catch his breath 
And now you think God's punishing him because he's dying? He's going to heaven. He just killed his body. Same thing with people who decide to take other people's lives. And we say, wow, that, that, should, ne- you know, that should never be. There are cases where that sometimes people have, have forfeited the right to get to live out their life. They forfeit that right by their decision. If God forgives them, they're still going to go to heaven. Here's Achan and his family. Yes, we did this. Yes, we did it. And here's where it's at. It's, it's under the tent. And they go and they dig it up and they bring them out. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. You're still going to stone us? Well, I mean, we still got to. This, this is still what God said. I mean, this is still the law. This is still truth. This is still the way it has to be. But we'll see you in glory. You're like, wow. Come on now. That's an Old Testament God. That's not the New Testament. Well, that's the same God. The same God of love and mercy and grace that we love and the God of compassion the one that would do anything for you, the one that loves you beyond life, this same God has something about him called holiness that will not allow him to turn his face and look the other way. Adam Clark tells us the progression of sin. It looks like this. He said, it enters by the eye, it sinks into the heart, it actuates the hand, and it leads to secrecy and dissimulation. So I want to take that formula very quickly, and I want to walk you through how that looks to be true according to this passage of Scripture in the life of Achan. What caused Achan's disaster? First of all, Clark says the progression of sin is it enters by the eye. That's what Achan said there to Joshua a minute ago. What did he say? I saw it. Didn't he? He said, I've got a robe, I've got some gold, and I've got some silver. I saw it. Well, now here's something that you need to understand before you get too discouraged. You can't always help what you see. The problem comes in when you see things you shouldn't because you were looking for them. You with me? So take whatever it is for you that you struggle with, because for us in this room, it's a myriad of things. Seeing is the thing that starts the progression. If for you... Your struggle is for material possessions. And you're really battling with that. Man, I got to quit being greedy. I got to quit always coveting things. I always want something that I don't have. I always want somebody else's stuff. Then if that is your struggle and you see somebody with the newest and the best. And you're like, wow, I really like that. I'd like to have one of those myself. Hang on a minute. That's as far as I'm going to let that go. I'm just going to keep working. Maybe I'll get the money and get that one of these days. It's different than, wow, I like that phone or I like that car or I like those clothes. And I'm going to obsess about that until I figure out a way to get theirs or my own. 
That's different. The person who struggles with, with lust for other people. Sometimes maybe you've had a struggle with something like that. And sometimes you could be put in a situation where you can't help what you see. Television will make sure that you will see something. A computer screen, a billboard, something. The devil will make sure that something is available for you to see that could trigger you down the wrong path. The seeing of that was not sin. You couldn't help that. But pastor, it triggers me and there I go again. Well, that's, you'll see the progression. The seeing is not the sin. It's all about the motivation. It's all about the heart. If you started out today with, I'm going to see what I can see. I'm going to try to see what I can see. That's the problem. The person who got up and said, Lord, today, today I'm crucifying my flesh. I'm taking my cross and follow you. God, today I want my life to be holy. I want to live in such a way that brings you glory. I guarantee you, you walk out of the house, get in your car, start down the road. Something's going to happen. You're going to see something. And you'll be like, oh, my land. And at that point, you got a decision to make. Am I going to keep thinking about that? Am I going to dwell on that? It could be anything, guys. Somebody that, just, that, that, that for them, smoking is a sin. They love to smoke and they gave it up. And now they're convicted by it and, no, and, then, then, and it's, it's inevitable, inevitable that they're going to get out of their car and be walking into the job and somebody's going to be standing outside smoking. They're going to be like, oh, man, I miss that. And they got to just keep on walking because that person say, well, you want a cigarette? Yeah, I do, but I'm going to keep on walking. You understand where I'm going? Seeing is not the sin. You can't help that. He saw it and had it stopped right there because everybody else saw it too. Everybody saw stuff going into Jericho. There was a lot of stuff in Jericho. And everybody could see whatever they wanted to see. Whatever they were looking for, they would have seen. But everybody else said, we're going to keep our mind on where we're supposed to keep it on. We're here to fight a battle. I'm here to fight a battle today. I'm not here to succumb to my flesh. Still with me? What's it do? How's the progression work? It enters by the eyes. It sinks into the heart. Here's where that decision gets made to carry on with this sin. When it gets to your heart, where's your heart? We're not talking about your physical heart. Anytime we talk about the scripture and we talk about heart, we're talking about the seat of emotions, the place that you operate out of, the place of motivation. So I saw it and I kept thinking about it till it got in my heart. And I really, really want to do that. I know it's not right, but I saw it. And in the midst of the battle, I just, I kept thinking about it. Thinking about how I could hit, I could hide it, I could get it. Won't nobody know? This is what's happening in the heart. In the heart, there's a lot going on. The other part of the heart is saying, no, 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 no. Keep your focus, keep your mind right. 
See, that's what's happening in the heart. We could have stopped this at the other place, but, but we allowed it to get to the heart. So now the heart's like, well, come on, let's, let, and then, then, there's, then there's those cartoons with the, the devil on one side, the little devil and the little angel, and they're on your shoulders, and once they do it, and they'll say, don't do it, and they'll say, do it, don't do it. This is the heart. This is what's happening in the heart. And then it says activation comes, the third part. He acted upon it. He said, I saw it. It got good to me. I took it. I went on and did it. I went on and looked at it. I went on and stole it. I went on and drank it. I went on and did it. I let it, I thought about it long enough until I thought into my heart, this is what I want to do, and I did it. It's the third progression, act of the progression. Now you're in trouble, but it's not too late. You can still receive forgiveness if you'll just confess, repent, and turn away from it. This happens to people all the time. You can get to this stage, and people do it all the time. It's not good. I'm telling you that you should get to a place of walking holiness where you don't have to get past one. But there's times it can get on to two, but you can stop it before three. Because in order to go to three, you had to take action You had to will it. It wasn't just enough now. You went past thinking. You went past feeling. You went on to doing. There's been a lot of conviction between seeing and feeling before you ever acted. But it's still not too late. Holy Spirit's still right there. Now, you know I've been working on you on this. I told you there. I told you here. And I'm telling you here. Now you've gone and done it. But it's time to get past this. Repent and let's go. Let's move. It brought him to number four. No, I don't think so. I like it. Now I'm going to hide it. The fourth part. Now I'm going to hide it in order to protect it because no one is going to approve of this besides me. I'm going to have to hide this. This is going to have to become a secret. If you got anything in your life that you can't let anybody else know about, the reason why you can't let them know about it is because it's a sin. It's quiet in here. Happy New Year. This is the way to start a new year right here, Christians, believers. This is the way to run a full check, a full diagnostic check. Even here, there's still great hope for you. Even for those of you that have sin in your heart that you've got hidden. It's going to be more difficult because actions have been taken that's going to affect you and others. Listen to me. When you get to this one here, here's how it works. You can get free. Are you with me? I want you to hear this. You can get free. It's not too late. God's going to set you free. But in order for you to be free at this point, somebody's going to get hurt beside you. You can't can't go to this point in your life with sin and get free from it without hurting someone else. Because the only way that you get free from this now is you've got to have some help. That means you got to tell somebody. And that hurt. That hurt somebody. That hurt somebody. 
Pastor, I can never let anybody know about this sin in my life because I don't want to hurt anybody. I know how it would affect them. I'm telling you, you can't get free. I'm convinced you can't get free until you have somebody to hold you accountable. And whoever it is that you can trust with that accountability, yes, you know, you know, some people look at that as I get to dump that off and now I'm free. You've just unloaded something onto somebody else that they got to carry. Now, hopefully you're doing that for each other, right? This accountability person, some of they're doing the same to you. When it reaches this progression of sin, when it gets to this place, you can say all you can say all day long. I'm going to quit this on my own. I don't need to tell anybody else. I'm I'm just the Lord's going to give me the grace. Wait a minute, God's giving you the grace the whole time. Holy Spirit's going to convict me. He's been convicting you through four phases. I'm going to beat this by myself. No, you're not. You haven't beaten it with the Holy Ghost yet. You're not going to beat this. You're going to have to tell somebody so they can pray with you, for you, stand in the gap with you. Now somebody's going to, this is what happened in Achan's life. Somebody's going to get hurt when you get free. You and somebody or even lots of somebodies, but it's still not too late. You can get back on track and live in victory. And you got to. You've got to. So why do we wrap this up? Why did Achan pay with his life. Why was it that Achan and his family had to pay for this with their life? Because here's the reason why. At each one of these steps, he could have repented. But even after number four, he kept on trying to hide it. At any point, he could have gave it up. Even after number four, he let those 36 men go die. So he could keep his sin. He let everybody else be discouraged. He let all those families attend funerals. So he could keep his stuff. At any point, he could have stepped up and said, this has gone far enough. Before I let this have national consequences before I let this tear up my whole family, before I let myself end up in jail, before, oh, oh, hang on a minute, Pastor, you don't have to go there. Before I let this tear up my job, before I let this tear up my marriage, at some point, he made the choice to hang on to it to the point that now it was too late It was too late for the mercy that could have come at any time before this stage. At any point before here, had he taken this stuff and gone to Joshua, said, Joshua, I was weak, man. And Joshua said, well, thank God, you know, we had, you come clean and we haven't, there's been no loss. I mean, let's go burn this stuff and let's get yourself right and let's do what you got to do according to the law and get yourself cleaned up. He didn't do that. That's why they all had to pay with their life. There was forgiveness, but it's too late for mercy. There's forgiveness, but it was too late for mercy that could have saved their lives. The lives have been forfeited.
had he moved at any point before this, he could have averted the disaster that happened to three million people. Achan, or trouble, is his name. Disaster is his name. He caused this for all of his people because he would not heed the conviction at any of the points that we've discussed here today. My question to us is this. How far will we allow our sin in our life to go? And how many people are going to be hurt by our sinful decisions and our choices? I don't know. That remains to be seen. I'm I'm delivering this to you today because my plea to you is that you would not allow Achan's disaster to become your own. It's time to repent, and the good news is it's not too late. Here's how it works. When you see it, stop it right there. Don't let it get into your heart. Don't let it go so far that you act on it. Don't let it become something that you have to hide in order to hang on to. Do not allow Aiken's disaster to become your own. I can't think of a better way to start a new year than for us to have the opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to dig deep into our spirit, our what we call heart. Deep into that seat of emotions and thoughts and desires. Dig deep in there, Holy Ghost. Is there something that I'm wanting? Is there something that's going to bring disaster on me and those around me? Give me, God, the courage right now before it's too late. to crucify this thing how do I how do I overcome every day get up in the morning and crucify the flesh then deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him there's a physical picture in that that I want you to get If you are busy trying to carry a cross and keep up with Jesus, you ain't got no time to fall off the path on either direction. You got to put it down to do it. You got to put the cross down in order to get off the path. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Some of you are like, Pastor, this is not one of my favorite messages that you preached. But someday when we all get to heaven, We may thank each other. I hope, I hope, this is going to sound really weird, but I hope that I run into Achan in heaven so I can thank him for paying with his life for me to have an example that could save mine. Never thought about Achan that way before, did you? I want to be able to say, Achan, you messed up, dude, but And you paid for it. I mean, you paid for it. I'm so glad you repented. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad I had the opportunity to tell you. Wow, what happened to you? That might have happened to me if it hadn't happened to you and somebody hadn't told me. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your life?
Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I've done this before. I've prayed about sin in my life and I can't quit. I'm going to point you to a teaching by Jimmy Evans, who's the same guy that's about to do the marriage conference that we're going to join in on. He does an amazing teaching on how to be free from addiction and how to stay that way, how to keep your mind right, how to continue to think on things that are pure and just so that you don't fall back. But guys, if we continue in our sins, does Jesus love us? Yes. Does God love us if we have sin in our life? Yes, He does. How do I know? Because He loves every sinner that hadn't repented. So He certainly loves people that have repented that are still sinning. But what are we going to do about forgiveness? Well, there is no forgiveness without repentance. I mean, it's there, but it's only there accessed by people who repent. And repentance means I I ask for forgiveness and then I change. I don't do it anymore. And if I'm tempted to do it, I, I fight against it. And if I fail every once in a while, unintentionally, that's okay. But I can't just keep walking down the road of sin and expect grace is going to cover me out there. Grace will always cover a broken and contrite heart. But I'm not sure that it covers the person who rebelliously runs on in sin in spite of the conviction in their heart. But what do we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to pray. Shelly's going to lead us in this song and I want you to take I want you to take a deep inventory I don't need people to stand come and raise their hands or anything today I, I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to tell you right now that, there's, that, that if we'll be honest 99% of us in this room are about to have a real serious conversation with the Lord and I don't need 99% of you raising your hand to show me I don't need to see that I need for the Holy Spirit to see that in you I need right there where you're sitting or if you want to kneel or if you want to stand or if you want to walk. I don't care, but I need for you to get where you can get for the next few minutes to get real serious with the Lord and let the Holy Spirit walk you through this progression of sin and make sure that you have got yourself in check. So during this song, I'm going to ask every person if they would do that. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, we definitely want to pray with you. And if that's you, I would ask you. You say, Pastor, I need to repent of my sins. I need to ask Jesus to come to my heart. I've never done that. I know this would be very tough, but I want to ask if that's you. I will ask you to come down here so we know who you are, so we can pray for you. Everybody else? Let's take a moment. Let's spend some time with the Lord. Let's pray.